This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. I retired from the Navy in 2006, as most people know, and rolled on into a civil sector work with defense contracting, doing program management eventually, and heading for an executive job. Most of that made me feel like I was dying. Unless it's operational, I hate management at the time card, approving, travel claim checking parts of life. That is stuff that just doesn't work in my rhythm. I love that other people do it well, just like just like Ninja, Ninja Drago, our uh, CFO, COO, who is great with accounting. So everybody has a calling. Everybody's designed for something. Turned out I wasn't designed for uh, defense contracting. And come about 2010, 2011, I began to morph, began to work toward this, what would eventually become Impact Actual. We had some terrible names, mostly developed by me for branding in the early years. And I met some really important people through social, amazingly. 2006, when I joined Twitter, for example, and started connecting with some interesting people across the spectrum. And I'm not talking about the spectrum you're thinking, but the spectrum of humanity. So I moved into recognizing the coaching idea being a thing and that I could do it and was doing it well and happened to meet an individual who knew about a TEDx conference coming up and said, you should take this, dude. You should do my slot on the TEDx, which became TEDx Sun River 10 years ago in July of 2012. That was in Utah. <laughs> we, I, I was going out there for a 4th of July event and also promoting the brand new book, Powerful Peace and Navy SEALs Lessons on Peace from a Lifetime at War. So I said, that would be terrific. I'd really appreciate the opportunity. I don't know what a TEDx is or how to do one, but he said, just get 18 minutes and go tell something important. So I wrote about smart power and I wrote a thing called What the Hell is Smart Power? And that's what readers of Powerful Peace will be familiar with. Smart power, the idea of balancing hard power or coercion with soft power or persuasion, aka soft power would be the Japanese who uh, were were conquered back in World War II after we had the victory. Conquer, I mean, it sounds like we invaded, but really we, we defeated the Japanese in World War II, got a surrender, and that was all very hard power to reach that point. But after World War II, while the Americans were still occupying Japan for a few years, a bunch of years, the boys would play baseball. And the Japanese would look at this and say, hmm, baseball, that's interesting. And they'd listen to rock and roll. And they had Elvis Presley on the radio. And they said, hmm, that's interesting too. And the, the Japanese began to adopt bobby socks and poodle skirts and baseball and traditions that were modeled to them as, I say, persuasion of the soft power, just being something that people want to do. So that's where smart power came from. And I talk about smart power at the on the ground level, the boots on the ground, as compared to Joe Nye, who coined the term, a professor of Harvard, former undersecretary of defense or of state. And so that is what we spoke to at TEDx Sun River 2012. We'll put a link in this episode from July 11, 2012, 10 years ago, when Lon Hodge, guest of honor, welcomed me to take his slot. And that has changed so much about the trajectory of my life. And I am deeply, deeply indebted to you, Lon, and welcome aboard. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you again. It feels like it's been yeah. 10 years since I saw you last time. It has been. <laughs> it actually hasn't been <laughs> 10 years. I saw you back in Great Mistakes. We went up to uh, Great Lakes. Yeah. You know, around, remember the, the NTC there. We were on the, the Naval Training Center, wasn't it, some years ago. 
that. So we've intersected yeah. a couple of times over the years since, but but very not enough. I'll put it that way. Let me go ahead and jump into a bio for Lon, who joined the military in 1973 during the vo- Vietnam, which a lot of you people have heard about in the history books. People like me and Lon were there. <laughs> well, I was actually in the Vietnam yeah. War too in 1967 when my dad went over there with the family and we moved to Okinawa. But from there, moving forward, the graduate degrees in communications and psychology, counselor education, and an MFA in literature and creative writing. Uh, past National Endowment for the Arts Fellowship in Literature, professor of psychology and literature in Japan, China, and Macau, and the U.S., and has been running Operation Fetch, which is how we really got connected, and we're going to talk about that today. Operation Fetch with the one and only legendary service dog, Gander. Mm. Can we start there, Lon? We'll, we'll roll back. If uh, if you can tell us about my my twin, my brother from another female dog mother. Whoever met Gander knew that he was some kind of special creature. You know, he was just the most intuitive being I've ever been around in my life. And this is second anniversary of his passing. So, so it's been a little tough. He, uh, you guys, you guys looked alike in pictures that we put up. Maybe I can get you some to to put up on your website. It's, uh, uh, and I think you have a few. I've got them. Absolutely. We'll make sure we, we, we share a couple of Rob and Gander pictures. Oh, they're hilarious. And we had a, uh, a contest in Parade Magazine and people had to vote whether or not, uh, who was going to have to shave their beard because, uh, we were doing a beard off and, uh, Gander and you had yep. almost identical beards <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, there's no competition against a dog, so you were you were out of the money, but but that was a that was a lot of fun. No, I was doomed. That was a stat. Yeah. That, I had a I was the originator of the stop the steal yeah. campaigns because I knew it was an unfair election. <laughs> well, you know, Gander went from kind of zero to two hundred and fifty thousand followers, you know, and then later to half a million followers on social media, you know, in such a short time, and and. And none of it was fabricated. It was all because people knew him and that, you know, articles got done, you know, podcasts, TV stories, that kind of thing. And and we kind of said, you know, this kind of insular celebrity. And, and we would go to we go to airports and people would, you know, is that Gander? You know, nobody knew who the hell I was, but everybody knew who Gander was. And, you know, and then, you know, he had a Hallmark special, a couple of documentaries, PBS special was in Huffington Post. You know, we were on. Fox and Friends, on and on and on. And, uh, you know, he won National Service Dog of the Year in, in 2014. He was, or 2014, he was the, the only mixed breed dog to ever win the top award at the, mm. at the AKC. And then uh, he was the AHA Dog of the Year, on and on and on. And so we, we said, you know, that insular celebrity isn't worth anything unless we do something good with it. And, and the good that we did with it was then decided to, to start educating about PTSD, suicide prevention, you know, because Gander saved my life. I mean, I would, I, literally would not be here if, if I hadn't had Gander in my life. Exactly. Yeah, I literally would not be here without Gander. And I and every every legitimate service dog handler I've ever talked to, you know, has told me exactly the same thing. You know, I've I've got I know stories of, you know, service dogs knocking weapons out of a guy's hand and all kinds of mm. things. So yeah, I was in pretty rough shape when I came back from, from China. I mean it was physically and emotionally, you know, I was I was spent. It was I was done. You know, I couldn't walk from the car to you know, across the street without, uh, getting winded. And, you know, and, and I, you know, my background a little bit, you know, I was a, you know, I was a guide and outfitter and a, you know, <laughs> a, you know, pretty avid outdoorsman and, you know, athlete and, and it was gone. Martial I, arts I champion. Aged, yeah. I had aged, you know, desperate years and over time with, you know, with Gander and that incredible relationship that, that, that we fostered, you know, he, he 
brought me back to life. You know, by the by the grace of God and Gander, I'm I'm here to talk about it. <laughs> grace of God and Gander, that is a a very good phrase, and a lot of people who understand. I mean. Uh, we want to <laughs> make sure there's a link so folks can actually see. We'll put that in the final you know, text here, too, for the podcast. But I want to make sure people can yeah. understand what the depth of the meaning of this thing. I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people who knew about this this amazing dog. And and, and Gander, you know, we don't, we don't want to do like a idol worship or anything, but Gander was a deep old soul. And you can see it in his old photos. And then when he left, it was a shock. Yep. But it was his time. It was time for us. We received, and I have them in the car, we received 5,000 notes of condolence mm-hmm. about Gander's passing. And and then I received letters from all over the world that got put in a beautiful redwood box for me. And and I haven't looked at them. And I, I will look at them on the anniversary of his death on the 27th. So yeah. I wasn't ready. <laughs> yes. I wasn't ready to do that. Well, tell us about the blanket and the, the interesting journey of said blanket. Yeah, well, you know, there was a, a, you mean the one that was stolen? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, made, and actually it was one of the people that were were, were reached out to about building that thing. Right, Uh, Margaret Murphy and a bunch of others. uh, Literally, we had like squares made from, uh, it was a secret thing. It took, I think, almost a year to put that thing together. And and people from around the world made a blanket for me and a blanket for Gander, you know, with just the most incredible things on it, kind of honoring our mission and the things we had done, you know, around the country. And, and, uh, and, and, one of the most moving things anybody's ever done for me. And, and we, we had that and we carried it with us everywhere we went on our journey. And just a handful of weeks ago, we were in Topeka. I was loading up the van after delivering a whole bunch of stuff to homeless veterans in Topeka and walked, walked in to get some more stuff, came back out and I didn't see my van. (laughs) I went, Oh my God, it rolled somewhere. I forgot <laughs> to put the brake on and it's rolled away. And oh my God, and I'm worried I've hurt somebody. And then I realized it's gone. Somebody was watching me load the van. And literally I was 10 feet away and they stole it and then took it out, took everything out of it, trashed it in its entirety, took the blankets, took it, you know, whatever they couldn't use, they just threw out along the streets, you know, everywhere. And we retrieved very, very little and just totaled that thing and we recovered it, but it was, you know, it was in pretty bad shape. Blankets gone. The only thing that was left in that van was, was Gander's ashes, Mm. which is by the way, the people that were with me who knew and loved Gander, Bob from the Prairie Fire Winery and a a retired police officer, friend of mine, canine cop in Topeka. The the first thing out of their mouth was they didn't care about all these stuff that disappeared. It was like, where's Gander's ashes? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how much they loved that dog. So anyway, so we, we put out a reward for the blankets. We put out a, a, you know, a a reward for, you know, we got a picture of the van that, you know, the guy jumped out of to take mine and got a call from a homeless guy. He'd been using it for a tent. He'd found it in a dumpster. And, and so we, you know, we paid the guy the, the reward and he was homeless, which I think is ironic. And it was fine with us that a homeless guy at least, you know, got some respite, you know, because of that thing. And it's now being cleaned and fixed up again by Margaret and it'll, it'll get sent back to us and we'll be carrying that all over the country with us again. That's a remarkable track or path for that because who would ever think that they'd be able to find a quilt, you know, in with that kind of a journey, you know, from 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 where it was stolen to some arbitrary place somewhere else, into a dumpster and into a, and it's almost miraculous. And the same with keeping his ashes, maintaining them in the vehicle. Everything about our journey, everything about our journey for the last ten years has been miraculous. 
Yeah. Well, tell us about fetch, Operation Fetch, because that's what I want. You know, people need to be aware of it. Yeah, Fetch, Fetch, you know, is 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 gone through a couple of iterations, but you know, we 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 kind of we kind of do everything. You know, we've uh, we've traveled the country. We've done three hundred, you know, over three hundred seminars for law enforcement, medical schools. You know, talking about PTSD, suicide prevention, which I think you know, service dogs are are an absolute key to suicide prevention, especially among veterans and medical schools, veterinary schools, service organizations. And we've, we've used his celebrity and, and now May, who's my new dog, we've used her celebrity then to raise money for other groups. Uh, nobody in our group gets paid, not a dime. And uh, uh, we've raised about $3 million for other groups. We worked with the Denver Broncos, uh, Judy Anatencio, who, you know, who is, does a lot of PR work with them down there, PR work with the players. And it's been extraordinary. Then we went on a TAPS tour. We traveled the country and did 365 TAPS events uh, a couple of years ago that some of the videos about it went viral. We go to national cemeteries. We go to local cemeteries. We would play TAPS at sundown and we would read the names of 21 veterans who, or 22 veterans who had committed suicide or had lost their battle with home front wars. And we would invite family members of people who who were related to people who had been lost to suicide and we would have them read the names and then include the names of their family members and probably the most powerful healing journey i've ever taken because you know i i you know having uh, with the PTSD, having like, you know, 10 panic attacks in a day mm-hmm. and, you know, going to bed at night, not wanting to wake up in the morning and, you know, all the things that, that I went through, you know, I, I, you know, I've always said, you know, that we carry suicide in our pocket, you know, like a, like a coin to give to, you know, Karen at the river sticks, you know, right, uh, right. and, and that that's our, you know, that we're finally going to cash that in. So nobody knows that better than me. Um, Nobody knew better the healing that we saw, you know, as we, we traveled the country. So we're going to do that again, hopefully beginning in July. We're going to do another trip around the U.S. and, you know, and talk to BFWs and American Legions. And cause it's, it's a topic that doesn't get discussed much, as you well know. You know, it's not something it's not a not a sexy topic. And a lot of guys don't want to talk about it. But we really need to make it. You know, we really need to destigmatize it. So that's been one of our missions. You know, another mission is to work with homeless vets. We've we've carried hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uh, of uh, camping equipment and clothes and boots and things to homeless camps around the country to veterans. Donated bicycles. We did that this last trip. You know, we've given adaptive equipment. We do these things every Friday. We call it $5 Friday, and we do a, a planned act of community kindness. Gander's Pack, now May's Pack. And and we we pick different things like like uh, there was a Green Beret who was struggling with uh, some transitional housing and uh, we made sure he was taken care of. We had uh, we have a widow, the widow of a guy who fell two days short of being a veteran because he got injured in uh, training. Oh, we, no. We helped her out because, yeah, it was really horrible. And so, but we, we helped her out, made the transition. Luckily he had served one day during a, a wartime period. So she was able mm. to get a, a widow's pension. We helped her with that uh, just on and on. You know, we, and we've done things like I became a national archives researcher so that I could help out the granddaughter of a soldier from world war II in Germany. 
that uh, had abandoned that family. And she wasn't allowed to even look for him for until everybody in the family had died away that, that thought it was shameful. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we discovered him in San Francisco and we made sure that flowers were put on the grave and pictures sent to her and things like that. And I became a National Archives researcher to be able to go find after action reports in World War II that told her what her grandfather had done during World War II. It was you know, we, we do these things once a week. We do at least, you know, at least one planned act of community kindness that has something to do with with veterans or homeless. You know, the the idea of mindfulness about veterans experiences, both during and after their lives. is so I mean, it's almost trite at this point when everybody in, you remember, I mean, people were doing the, in the GWAT, the global war on terror, folks would clap. For any of us in uniform yeah. walking through the airport and we <laughs> to a man and to a woman i hear people saying i got a mixed feeling about that you know i personally was embarrassed i was like dude please stop looking yeah. at me i don't i mean i got stuff going on <laughs> i'm doing pts therapy myself and yeah. learning yeah. leaps and bounds about my own experience and and that one thing i would call you know you talk about suicide in our pocket i have put a name to it for myself yeah. it's a death wish it's not suicidal because i was suicidal i can look back to my darkest moment when i was looking down from the third deck of my barracks and thinking how would i jump to successfully kill this very hard to kill body i mean i was trying to think about how would i guide my head <laughs> right. toward that cement right. instead of the grass how would i land right. upside down instead of on my back uh, how would I not become just crippled from yes. my injuries and become more of a burden on those people that I felt I was relieving of my presence at that darkest, darkest moment many years ago. But that's suicidal. Suicidal is a very specific thing of trying to figure out how to do it. The death wish, on the other hand, goes right to what you yes. said about wishing we wouldn't wake up. And that is something that I have dealt with since. Not every day by God's grace, but it's a real thing. And I want to be able to, I want, not just for me, this isn't Rob's catharsis. I want to say it for the public. I want to say it for the listener to hear. This shit is deep and complex and sometimes baffling how to move forward. But as I said in the front of Powerful Peace, which is coming up on 10 years anniversary, you just got to talk about it. Like you're saying, people need to be able to be heard. Yeah. And it takes a, and, and, you know, and I've always admired you for your ability to, you know, your ability to, to accept, you know, feedback and coaching and, you know, and guidance and your, the, you know, the self-introspection and, and, and it takes that and it takes us kind of being, you know, got like getting over the shame of that we went through that because somehow we were taught all along that that's, you know, I mean, that that's a shameful event, that it's a sinful event, that it's a number of other things. And, and as long as we hold that, then we, we keep that secret and that just makes the depression worse, you know, and, and that pushes us closer to the edge of the abyss and, and, you know, too many people are following into it. And, and I, I, I don't want that to happen to anybody else. If we can, we can help prevent it. Exactly. You know what? Um, Speaking of this topic, which was not set to be the topic, we weren't, we weren't trying to bring everybody down today. No. <laughs> but, you know, truth is truth, right? We're going to talk about reality. Yeah. And this is this is horrifying to realize. But Naomi Judd, mom of the Judds, and, yes. and, and mom of Ashley Judd, the actress who recently committed suicide, did it. The family's coming out and talking about it. The actress daughter's talking about it and saying, yes, it was self-inflicted. This is and great. Yes, it was you know, following decades of pain, decades of uh, depression. And 
What's really profound about it is that this occurred the day before she and her daughter, the musician daughter, were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. The day before, not after. I think we're looking at, I'm, I'm not going to diagnose, I'm not a clinician, but I will say that I, the timing seems to be more than coincidence. It seems oh, to me to be something like what many of us deal with called imposter syndrome. I don't deserve that. I'm exactly. not worthy kind of stuff. And that's why it became critical exactly. to her, a crisis almost emotionally, that knowing that that big deal was going to happen tomorrow said today's the day to go. Yeah, I, no, I absolutely agree. And, you know, it, and it's the same thing, even small things, you know, like people are saying, hey, Lon, you know, you're you're old enough now to go on the honor flight. And I said, I'm not going on an honor flight. It's not happening. You know, I don't I don't I don't deserve that. Don't belong there. You know, and, and, and it's it's part it's part of that imposter syndrome. And and all through my life, you know, I've had great successes and, and monumental failures, too. But but with the successes, I've always felt like nah, somebody else should have gotten this, you know. Somebody else oh, should yeah. be on your podcast besides me. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Somebody else should be yeah. hosting this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I experience it. I did. I, I, there was a funny aside. I had a, a, a great friend who did save me from suicide one day. He figured out talking to me that something was wrong. And he said, and he said, uh, yeah, well, I said, yeah, I got a pistol in the car. And he goes, you're, and you're meeting me at X place right away. And I, and I said, why? You know what? You know, and of course, I was very resistant. And he goes, I had been bow hunting that year. I was I was the National Outdoorsman of the year that the year before. And this year I'm trying really hard. You know, I'm going out hunting and all kind of thing. And I had a really bad time with bow hunting. I, I had I had lost a couple of animals, you know, that uh, that I didn't get tracked or whatever happened, you know. So so his his line to me was he said, look, you just shoot yourself. You get wounded and I'd have to come visit you in the hospital. <laughs> 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 he says you would screw this up. <laughs> That's why I didn't do it myself. That that self-loathing. I said exactly. I'll screw this up and I'll become a greater burden on society. Thank <laughs> right. God I hated myself enough to not kill myself. Yeah, right. Well, I'm glad he I'm glad he gave me that message because it rung true with me. It was like, yeah, I went, I'll screw this up. Okay, sorry. Let me meet you. We're good. And uh pulled me right out of the right out of it. It was wonderful. So yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how we got this way, but, I, but, I, but I think it's important in terms of what we, you and I thought we were going to talk about. And that was like, you know, some of the, you know, like humility and, 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 you know, letting go of, letting go of ego and that kind of thing. And that's something that, that I learned as a martial artist, you know, like that, the, you know, the best, the best defense wasn't a good offense. It was humility. It was, you know, letting go of that need to be tough or to prove that I could handle myself in a fight. You know, it was like, uh, and, and in this case, proving I'm not, I, I haven't always been strong enough to handle this fight, you know? Yes. This fight is the, the, the more challenging one. I would face any adversary, any physical opponent compared to the stuff that goes on inside our minds and hearts. That can oh, be hell yes. very, but again, the only way out is through when you're going through hell, keep going. Right. That's what we hear sure. from the wiser old yep. people. I mean, not that there is anybody older than us these days, but uh, still, there's a couple out there, some old old quotes. And you mentioned the humility, and I believe, you know, there's in my dojo, we talk about brown belt syndrome compared to black belt syndrome. 
<laughs> the brown belt syndrome is, <laughs> right. oh man, I made it. I got a brown belt. I'm going to stick four twenties in my right. pockets, sticking out and walk into the darkest alley in town and go prove my, my worth. I got to go prove something. The black belt gets to a place that says, dude, I got nothing to prove. I'm, I'm, nothing. I'm satisfied with me and I'm okay with me. I'm comfortable in my skin. But that humility is a process, yeah. right? Sometimes we get humiliated to get the humility. And sometimes we just choose it when we get a little older and wiser, uh, at least a grain of wisdom. Well, years ago, you know, and there's a lot of martial arts stories like that. But years ago, I was in a I was dating a, a bartender, beautiful bartender who uh, in Pueblo, Colorado. And some guy was drunk, you know, pretty good sized guy, giving her giving her a really hard time. And I was just I hadn't been drinking, but I was feeling my oats and feeling like the tough martial artist guy. And I got up and I and I went right over and I got in his face and I said, you and I need to go outside because I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I don't think those words had ever come out of my mouth before. And, I, and, and the guy looked at me and his face fell and he goes, do you really hate me that much? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was completely disarmed. I, I mean, yeah, I, a, a, a girl scout could have, you know, <laughs> beaten me to a, bloody pulp and 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 it was probably one of the best lessons i ever got you know i yeah. i had i had forgotten all of my real training not my physical training i forgotten all my real training and you would actually harm somebody with words because that man was damaged Absolutely. by that. he was emotionally harmed yeah. he was feeling shittier than he did when he was trying to stumble through being a sexy guy hitting on a chick you know we, yep. we all have vulnerabilities, yeah. and, and you stomped right on the middle of his. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I don't want to uh, skip the thing about this is important, and maybe you know as we're winding down, I I want to make sure I get your info from for the listener to say, hey, how do I check out what Lon's doing today, Lon Hodge, and all the work you're doing with. With, with and for vets around the country, for service dogs. But one thing, a topic we have to touch on briefly is fake service dogs. Not that you have any opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's a great source of irritation with me. And, you know, <laughs> the problem is that, you know, we've encountered a lot of, we've had a lot of run-ins with corporations and businesses and things like that, you know, with, with access. I mean, I don't look, I, you know, I've got an invisible disability, you know, I, I've got a lot of physical things going on, but, but they're not clearly visible, but the psychological stuff, they don't see, you know, the need for this dog, they don't see. And, and, and so I get a lot of blowback, but the reason I get the blowback is because somebody brought Fifi in there, you know, uh, the day before and Fifi sat on the guy's lap and ate off his plate and, yeah. you know, or barked or pooped on the floor or tore up a, you know, a motel room. And, and, you know, I just beg people not to do that. And we've ended up having to actually, you know, sue some major corporations to get them to, to understand the need for access. And, and we've gone and trained their companies and, you know, we do a lot of free training all over the country and, and, but also I, I've let them know I'm on your side and I have right. for free put my number out there and said, you have a question about a dog that comes into your place. You call me. I'll give you the best advice I can get. And if you need an expert witness in court to tell you, you know, to tell the judge that that dog's not legitimate, then I'm your guy and I'll come there for nothing. And uh, that's how important it is to me. 
you know, these dogs yeah. save lives. These dogs cost $35,000 and up to train. These dogs are with us 24-7. This is my battle buddy. This is the person I rely on, you know, to, to make sure I don't take psychological or physical bullets from somebody. This is mm -hmm. the dog I rely on, you know, to, to, to keep me centered throughout the day. And it's damn important. And anybody that has a fake dog out there, or I call them, I call them counterfeit teams should be grossly ashamed of the grief that they have caused me and the possibility that they're going to send me back into a spiral. Exactly. That's the real danger. It's not, it's, it's a, people are doing this because I mean, you can get a fake dog vest anywhere. I mean, China's pumping them out by the millions, I'm sure. And they'll fit any size dog yep. that happens to live in a house. But if a dog is not actually a service animal, it's, it's a huge, huge distraction to those who are trying to learn how to let ADA requirements work in their, like you said, their firm, the restaurant, their, their store, because it is ADA and it's ADA as ADA, you have to protect right. the privacy of the owner of the dog. And you can't say Lon Hodge, is that a real dog? Prove it because that's right. That's a violation right. of ADA. So the fake dogs can't be challenged either, but it's so obvious they're running around and barking and, and biting other dogs. And if in early in, in getting a service dog, especially for, you know, a combat vet or especially for somebody, you know, who's really been through, you know, major league trauma, you know, or like long-term trauma, like, like, like I've endured, it's, it's tough because it's the analogy I used to use was it's, it's like a woman going out into public pregnant. It's the first time and, and, and it's humorous. But it's the first time publicly people know she's had sex, you know, and for us to go out into public with a service dog is the first time for us to admit we've got issues that right. need to be dealt with, especially if, you know, it's, it's invisible. And we're, we're admitting that we've got stuff to do to get whole again. And, right. and that's no easy task. And if you screw that up, you know, you, you're, you're interrupting such an important, you know, everybody says, Hey, you know, let's welcome people home when they come back from, you know, from deployment. Well, the best way you can welcome people home is to quit using those dogs and to, and to leave the, the serviceman and the dog alone that is in your facility, leave him alone. He's doing the best he can. Exactly. And it's a huge expression of courage as well to seek that, finally seek the oh, help. Oh, hell needed, yes. To actually oh. ask for help, to actually accept it and start walking through the process of healing. So this is so important. I want people who are listening to hear this about PTS, about veterans. Again, PTS, as I emphasize every time I talk about PTS, is not a combat veteran thing. Post-traumatic stress is no. a thing that human beings get for being raped in car crashes, abused as children, having horrible relationships, etc. Trauma is a human thing. So let, let the listener understand whether you are a vet or not, you know, PTS is something to pursue, to go after. If you're acting like an asshole 24-7, there may be something behind it. If you can't stop feeling horrible, right. you know, before you do something, uh, the permanent solution to a temporary problem, look for some source of help. And and how do people find you, Lon, for talking about dogs? How do I get a dog? Some people are already aware of their PTS or their, their need for a service dog, but they don't know what to start with. They don't want to Google how to get a dog. How do they find you and get guidance on anything we've talked about today? A couple of great places. You, get, you know, I mean, it, we still have Gander Service Dog on Facebook, and I post every day about May and our adventures. And so you go to Gander Service Dog on Facebook, or you can go to our website. There should be a contact sheet on there. And it's operationfetch.org. 
or you can follow, you know, you can follow me individually. I think I still got, you know, room in there. You can always send me a private note or you can send to admin at operationfetch.org. And I promise you somebody's going to answer. If you go, if you go on Facebook and you, you know, you, you go to Gander Service Dog and you, and you put a message in, if it's anything important, uh, um, immediately, Marianne usually goes. We both go through them. I look at every single comment, and Marianne goes through those too. But if she spots something important that I missed, or she gets a message that I need, she'll—I mean, she'll red flag that thing immediately and get it to me. Fantastic. And we'll make sure we can help any way we can. Yeah. Operation Fetch. <laughs> I want people to hear that and remember Operation it, and fetch. you know, just to to be able to yeah. plug back in because this is human stuff. This goes way beyond vets and way beyond dogs, and it's all about you know getting humans to understand that they, we human beings, deserve to have the the help we need, however we need it. Yeah, one of the the reason why that name came up, by the way, was I had read a book years ago called uh, I think it was Catch, and it was a guy who had gone around the country and he played catch with everybody from the age of 80 down to five everybody knows how to play you know throw a ball and catch yeah and what he what he found it did was as he was playing catch and asking them really personal questions that it broke down all their ego barriers and gander anybody anybody that knew gander knew that his first love maybe even better than me was a, was a tennis ball <laughs> and he loved to play fetch and and gander had that uncanny ability to just destroy and obliterate ego boundaries and, yeah. and people would talk about, you know, their, their deepest secrets. And so, so that's how we ended up with the name operation fetch. So that, that'll never go away as a tribute to him. That's powerful and memorable as yeah. is this interview. Thank you so much for coming on brother and for everything we've done together and everything we will do together in the next 10 years. Yeah. Well, I love you, my friend. I hope your journey goes well and be well. And to the listener again, do not, be afraid or don't stay afraid or don't, don't let your fear stop you from seeking the help you need because we all are humans and we all are made of body, mind, heart, and soul. Standard impact stuff we've been talking about for a long time and God willing, we'll talk about for a long time to come. And don't forget, this is where we're going to be next week and every week we can plan for coming forward and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.